Welcome to Season 2 of A New Voice of Freedom, the podcast taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity written by Ronald Keith Messer are now broadcast on weekdays. Podcast 12 of Season 2 is entitled The Resurrection and the Three Degrees of Glory. Ron, Christianity to some is more associated with hell than with heaven, perhaps because the images of hell are so startling. Of course, John Milton in Paradise Lost and Dante in The Inferno fixed hell in our minds forever. An early American evangelist, Jonathan Edwards, in one sermon fixed hell in America's mind with his unforgettable images in Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. We know a lot about hell from literature. What do we know about heaven from the Holy Bible? Heaven plays a prominent role in the Holy Bible. I shall refer to only three writers, Paul, Peter, and John, who present a very inviting picture of heaven with the promise that the gates are open to everyone who keep the commandments and endure to the end. Would you also connect the resurrection and how it relates to heaven? I thought you wanted me to keep this short. Give me the short version. Do you know what made the Israelites really mad at the Pharaoh? I can't see where this is going, but I will play along. What? He told them to make more bricks, but took the straw away. But never mind. I will keep it as short as I can. Open the Bible to Genesis 2 and read Moses' description of the creation of Adam in verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. The breath of life refers to the immortal spirit which pre-exists the creation of earth and the creation of the physical body. The purpose of earth was to give man a mortal body. The spirit and the body combined formed a living soul. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve had physical bodies. However, they were immortal. Death did not enter into the world until after the fall. We don't know how long they lived in the garden before the fall, but after the fall, mortality brought death to every living thing. With death, time began, for in our world, time and death are inseparable. Death, of course, is why it was necessary for Christ to bring about the resurrection. Death means the separation of the body and the spirit. The resurrection is the reuniting of the body and the spirit. Only the resurrection is everlasting. Following the resurrection, there will be no more death. So back to my question, how are the resurrection of the body and heaven connected? Paul answers that question for us in 1 Corinthians 15. Please read verses 51 through 55. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? In other words, Christ raises us from the dead. When we are born, our immortal spirits are given a mortal body subject to mortal laws. When we die, the mortal body is separated from the mortal spirit. 
the body decays into the earth, turn into dust, and the immortal spirit goes to the spirit world to live among other spirits who once lived on the earth. Mortal laws deal with reducible matter. Immortal laws deal with irreducible matter. As resurrected beings, we leave the mortal world and natural law behind and enter into an immortal world of spirits governed by a different set of laws. Please read 1 Corinthians 15, verses 19 through 22. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Now this is where the resurrection becomes extremely interesting. The final judgment does not come until after the resurrection. The righteous are judged first, and only the righteous come forth in the first resurrection. Please read Revelation 20, verses 4 through 6. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark on their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. The wicked come forth in the second resurrection. Read verses 11 through 15. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. We gather from the words of John that every soul is resurrected, whether they are good or whether they are evil. We know that there are at least two resurrections. In the first resurrection, the righteous come forth from the grave and reign with Christ. And in the second resurrection, the wicked come forth from the grave. Can you distinguish the righteous from the wicked simply by their resurrected bodies? Again, I shall let Paul answer that. Please read 1 Corinthians 14, verses 40 through 44. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. 
There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. What does that have to do with heaven? People are not the same. People are not equally good, neither are people equally evil. The atonement of Christ made it possible for Christ to judge us only for our own sins and not for the sins of another. Therefore, we're not going to be rewarded the same, neither are we going to be punished the same. That also means that heaven has many kingdoms. Each of those three kingdoms, one compared to the glory of the sun, celestial, another compared to the glory of the moon, terrestrial, and still another compared to the glory of the stars, must be governed by a complete set of laws organized by God and acting independently, just as mortal earth is governed by a complete set of laws organized by God and acting independently. Jesus said to his disciples, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. You are going to have to explain that. The short answer is that we will inherit a kingdom of God according to the laws of God we lived on earth. If we live the law of the celestial kingdom on earth, we will be resurrected to a celestial glory, meaning we will shine like the sun. If we live the law of the terrestrial kingdom, we will be resurrected to a terrestrial glory, meaning we will shine like the moon. If we live a lesser law, we will be resurrected to kingdoms compared to the brightness of the stars which vary in glory. In other words, we inherit the kingdom of God according to the laws we lived. You are speaking of spiritual laws and not temporal laws? That is right. But all kingdoms have a full set of laws, whether those kingdoms are temporal, such as the earth, or spiritual, such as heaven. The Holy Scriptures are guidelines to help us reach the celestial kingdom. If we fall short of the celestial kingdom, we will inherit a kingdom of lesser glory. John said that hell delivered up its dead. Where do those resurrected souls go after they have been punished for their sins? John says they are judged according to their works. Works means obedience to law. Sin is violation of law. They won't be able to live with God, but they will have a kingdom of glory. Are you saying that no one stays in hell? No. John makes it clear that the devil and his angels live in hell forever, and also the beast and the false prophet, and others who have become the sons of perdition. That is referred to by John as the second death. But very few people will become sons of perdition. Most people are not so completely evil that they have no redeeming qualities. Christ saves everyone that he can. Christ said he came to save the world, not to condemn the world. Christ satisfied the law of justice for those who call upon him, repent of their sins, and endure to the end. If they do not call upon Christ and do not repent of their sins, they must pay the penalty to the law of justice themselves. However, once they have satisfied the demands of the law of justice, after they have suffered in hell, they are assigned a kingdom of glory compatible to their works. Remember that King David punished for the murder of Uriah said, Thou shalt not leave my soul in hell. Those are the ones who will inherit a glory compared to the stars. They won't be in hell, for every kingdom of glory is a form of heaven, but following the resurrection and judgment, they will never see God and Christ again. That is punishment enough. Is everything governed by law? Christ is a God of law and order. It is through law that God creates the universe. 
It is through law that Christ governs all temporal worlds and all spiritual worlds. Scientists try to discover the laws of the temporal world. If they only knew it, they are discovering how God works. There will always be temporal worlds, and there will always be spiritual worlds. The creations of Christ never end. It is law that perfects, protects, governs, and sanctifies us. Christ is the power behind all laws. He is the author of all laws. That is why he is omnipotent and omniscient. First of all, we must understand the nature of law. We know, for example, that earth has a complete set of laws acting independently. Yes, we call them temporal laws or laws of nature or Newton's laws. Well, if earth has a complete set of laws, it follows that all kingdoms or planets or galaxies have a complete set of laws. Stephen Hawking, in his book, The Grand Design, made the following observation. Our universe and its laws appear to have a design that both is tailor-made to support us and, if we are to exist, leaves little room for alteration. Mr. Hawking does not appear to believe in God, but as any good scientist, he strongly believes in law. That leads Mr. Hawking into making a very startling and exciting statement. He said, While some of those universes are similar to ours, most are very different. In fact, many universes exist with many different sets of physical laws. I'm not sure I follow. Where the planets are the same, the set of laws must also be the same. For laws determine how a planet is governed. Where planets or solar systems or galaxies are different, they must have a different set of laws. What is true for the temporal planets is also true for the different kingdoms of God. I think I see. The celestial kingdom is ruled by one set of independent laws. The terrestrial kingdom is ruled by another complete set of laws, and so on to all the kingdoms of God. Those resurrected beings that shine like the sun will have higher laws than those that shine like the moon. And those that shine like the moon will have higher laws than those that shine like the stars, and so on. Light is glory, and glory is power. The greater the glory, the greater the power. God is God because he has all light, all glory, and all power. Remember that light is equivalent to knowledge, and knowledge is equivalent to truth. We inherit the kingdom according to the laws we obeyed on earth. That means we will increase in light and truth. The more laws we obey, the greater our light and truth. When Christ told his apostles that he will go to prepare a place for them, he is talking about the kingdom where God dwells, or the celestial kingdom. You are saying that the resurrection is connected to the laws we live. If we live the laws of a celestial kingdom, according to Paul, we will inherit a celestial glory. If we live the laws of a terrestrial kingdom, according to Paul, we will inherit a terrestrial glory. If we don't live the laws of either of those kingdoms, we will inherit a kingdom of glory according to the laws we did live. That is what it means to be judged according to our works. In other words, some kingdoms of glory only shine like the distant stars because they are ruled by a lesser set of laws. All resurrections have certain things in common. For example, every resurrected body will look like its spirit. Every resurrected body will have flesh and bones. Every resurrected body will be immortal. Every resurrected body will look just like the body on earth, only it will be glorified and immortal and perfect in every way. The difference is that of light and power. The differences, however, will be in greater light and power and glory. 
For example, Paul compares the celestial body to the glory of the sun, Paul compares the terrestrial body to the glory of the moon, and Paul compares the least of the kingdoms to the glory of the stars. Most Christians are familiar with Paul's story of being caught up into the third heaven. Read 2 Corinthians 12, verses 2-4. through 4. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such an one caught up to the third heaven, and I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise, and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Obviously, Paul was caught up into the celestial kingdom. Now read Second Peter 13. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Paul introduces the celestial kingdom, but John gives the best description. Please turn to chapter 15 and read the marked passages. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast, and over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. I like the description of the celestial kingdom best as described in chapter 21. Be my guest. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. To live in the presence of God, one's resurrected body must be equal in light, or he couldn't endure heaven. We know from John there is a first resurrection for the faithful and a second resurrection for the unfaithful. Those who come forth in the first resurrection will inherit the celestial or terrestrial kingdoms. Those who come forth in the second resurrection will inherit the lesser kingdoms. How about ending this podcast by reading from the final chapter of the book of Revelation? And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manners of fruit, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign 
forever and ever. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast. In Defense of Christianity is available at RonaldMesser.com.